0: This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down to earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now, here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co host, Ryan England, and I am here today with Jeremy McLiver. Welcome back, everyone. So, today's guest is going to bring something new to our listeners. It's something that we don't spend a lot of time talking about uh, because very much we're focused on culture. We talk a lot about people. And some of the most valuable people inside of your organization are going to be those that are driving new business into your company, your sales leaders, your sales team. And today's guest he helps growth-minded owners and sales leaders who are frustrated by a lack of high-margin negotiated accounts and concerned that they aren't able to consistently forecast sales numbers. He works with them to win and create a local brand and culture that attracts other high performers through sales coaching, mindset development, and implementing a proven sales and branding strategy. Ryan Groth, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Ryan, Jeremy. Thanks for having me.
1: So. I love talking about sales and especially people. That's something I'm very passionate about is the people side of business. But most businesses can't live without sales. It's almost like air for us. With that said, what are some of the biggest myths about your industry or even just growing sales teams?
0: I think specifically for the blue collar community and contracting, the biggest myth that I see is that if they think they're estimating, they're selling right and like if, so they're thinking man I'm I'm pricing up a job so they think that that's selling and that's a complete fallacy that's completely false because estimating is coming up with the cost of the solution but selling is a completely different world selling is coming up with the cost of the problem or the impact of the problem if it's not solved or what's that cost so selling is creating value and estimating is is just, you know, pricing up work. And what ends up happening to a lot of customers before they start to get this transformation, in their mindset and their culture is they're giving a ton of free consulting away and they're bidding and then rebidding and then rebidding. They're spending so much time at the estimating table, which is great, but they're not really selling. So I think that's a huge problem uh, and a big myth. And another one is, um, you know, if they sell, selling projects versus relationships, they're thinking, I got to get this job versus I got to get this account. And account mindedness is, uh, yields much better long term results and better fits and improves the bottom line much more than, Hey, let me try to get this job. And getting this job is, uh, certainly the, and getting a backlog and earning revenue is, is how you make your money. But what ends up happening is if you're too job centric and transactional, you, you tend to, You know, focus heavily on price and uh, less on value and relationship and partnership. So, uh, those are a couple of myths that I see are are just really challenging. If if you don't get your head around that, uh, you're going to stay stuck.
1: What do you think is the root cause of that? Like, where do you think that that mindset comes from?
0: You know, when you're surviving, you just gotta you just gotta get some work right, and so you you think you think a little bit more short term, right? So, I think when somebody is it's coming from a survival of just trying to make it, just trying to get by thought process and you don't take a moment to step back and look a little bit more at the long term consequences and impact or upside or downside of that type of decision making and then you kind of build a full ecosystem around that short term thinking mindset and that has some pretty damaging effects for the brand and for you know the vision and the fulfillment of the goals of the of the owner you know and the team uh so for example, if you're conditioning everybody to buy you because you're cheap and work with you because you're cheap, and you don't sell the value of unexpected change orders and having to manage the projects, uh them having to manage you versus having better project management. I mean, you name it, lack of communication, not being on budget, you know, being uh behind on schedule. There's all kinds of variables that if they don't know how to sell value and keep their margin, you know, because they're transactional and short term thinking, it ends up just kind of, you know conditioning their estimators, their salespeople and their customers to have them function in a certain way. And and that's, that's challenging for everybody long-term. So I think it's just short-term thinking, you know, and I'm not getting exposed to what, what does it look like if we think a little bit further out and, and how this could, you know, a change of thinking could have in our behavior can really help us if we, if we change course.
1: I think that's great. And that's something that you specifically focus on with your clients. So share with us a couple of just uh, maybe top two amazing results. Like those, those clients that you're just like, yes, I am proud of them. They did it and they did it because we were working with them. Share with us a couple of those results, maybe some case studies you have.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to be working with some pretty significant outfits and some that are just getting started. But I'll speak to some that are that are kind of newer to the, to the process. Uh, one is a commercial concrete subcontractor. So I've known them for a few years and they started working with me about 18 to 24 months ago. And they had two project manager estimators, and so most of their work's new construction, right? Um, and they were both doing pretty good. I mean, seven and a half million a piece, so about fifteen million for them is good. But they've been, or for many, it could be good rather. But for them, they've been stuck there for you know eight years. They just been, they just been stuck. So that that being said, when they started to get the, the results, they changed from a more relational, you know, more phone time, less less bidding, less less stack of bids on their desk, and invitations to bid. They started implementing our sales strategy and process, and getting coaching. And they went from seven and a half to ten million a piece. And so now that they feel the value of selling versus estimating, he he, he doesn't even call himself an estimator anymore. He calls himself a sales executive or a sales professional. So now they're they're starting to hire more project, you know, coordinators and and people to support and learn more the project management side because they're so much more confident in their ability to to bring more value, sell more, build relationships, go golfing with their best clients. And that's a huge change for somebody uh in in 18 months who's been stuck for that long with their thought pattern and just didn't know how to really break and t- transition into a new way. So that's cool and now they're like all right, now now each of us, Brett and the is uh Brett and Craig are the names of the guys and they you know mid 30s, they've been at this for a while but they're still pretty young and Got a lot in the tank. It was cool to see them. They're like, "All right, now we're like competing against each other. We both did ten. Now we're both trying to do twelve each or thirteen each to see who can top the next guy." But with the strategy, so that's one uh, really cool story and case study.
2: Ryan, I, I love this, and I know you and I talked a little bit before the got on the air here. So you have some great experiences with it. This is a huge challenge, and I see a lot of the clients that I'm working with struggling because. They would love to switch from an estimating bidding, more of that spray and pray type thing where you just shoot it out there to the world and hope something lands, right? And, but they're afraid to go to more of what you're talking about because the GCs are looking at lowest bid. They got they got budgets to meet. They got all of that stuff. So what are some ways that they can look at this and they can start to transfer and make that change? What is maybe one or two things you'd recommend for them to make that transition like you're talking about these guys here.
0: Yeah. So speaking more into the GC side, I think the first step is looking at your clients and saying, okay, who have we done, who, who's given us the most work or who we won the most work with, and kind of start ranking those accounts and then realizing and then thinking, how much should we actually bid to those people, to those contractors? And so what's our success ratio? Right. And so when you really, really look at the numbers, it gives them the confidence to say, good grief, isn't it worth Me spending more face time with these and less time with these or the ones that are trying to, you know, giving us asking us for for to bid their their work and they never give us the work and they're just using us as a number to compare with the other guys like we don't need to practice anymore. So when they start to see the numbers and they start to see how much energy they're putting in to just lose and be a loser, (laughs) it's pretty disappointing and it gives them the confidence to say, hey, it's worth being more confrontational or being a little bit more equal business stature, more partnership oriented. I think that's really really important. So when they have the confidence to do that, then we can give them a sales process that can support their ability to have those conversations they never had before along with coaching and and just case studies to, you know, and more results to give them the certainty that hey, this is going to work. Because at the end of the day, if they if they bring the value, the GC that they're working with is going to feel that value and they're end up going to saving being saved heartache and and frustration themselves because if somebody pays a little bit more with a sub that does it right the first time, they're going to be less frustrated in the long long run. So they got to be reconditioned to think long-term and then they got to recondition their customers to think long-term. And I think once you could tell that the market leaders who have these types of relationships and the GCs that like to function this way where their sub community are definitely partners, not just you know numbers, everybody's winning and everybody could feel the value all the way up to the developer, the private owner on another quick note, I'm always challenging my customers, whatever trade they are to be the prime directly to the B2C or B2B market direct to owners, to the end user or management groups in in a service capacity. So I'm hugely focused on service and how they can, you know, repair, replace, restore existing buildings for managers and owners. Because if you do that, there's no middleman, there's no GC in the middle, you know, basically taking your money away and holding it, holding retainage uh, till the end. So I think that when you are the consultant, you are the advisor, the trusted advisor, the expert to help a building owner who's not as uh, professional of a buyer, like a GC is a professional buyer, uh, very much so. Then, then you have the confidence to really sell more value and be more the trusted advisor, tell them what's going on and get paid your margin and get paid more quickly. So I, I'm big on those types of strategies immediately to uh to make this transition. Um so yeah.
1: No, oh, that's great. Um it it sounds like there's a, a lot of different options for getting growth-minded businesses and sales leaders to be thinking a little bit differently. There's some different ways we you can help them build the sales team. I mean, just some of the examples you gave, I'm like, wow, I, I've never even thought of that. <laughs> Maybe some of our listeners haven't thought of that either. But at the same time, a lot of the examples you gave, like building better relationships, focusing on the account, less on that one particular job, seem pretty common sense to me, pretty simple, but they're probably not always easy to do. So for businesses that are struggling with sales, what do you think is the biggest thing holding them back besides just that mindset? What are some other things that, they're, that you usually see they're struggling with?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and and you know you you mentioned that like everybody's like yeah it should be more relational, right? And, but common sense is not always common practice, and mm-hmm. it's and I can tell you even our best clients are still learning and they're they're buying in. I think what's holding people back is is their need for approval and their need to be liked by people and uh, their insecurities because it. They're they're fearful because they're they're conditioned to do one thing a certain way. They're you know the whole time, and they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They're like, man, if I ask somebody a tough question, or if I don't sound like I'm Jan- Johnny on the spot working on a on a Saturday morning while my kids are having breakfast, and uh, to, for me to whip up this final re- revision of the bid and get it to you right away, you know what I mean? If they, they're like, I'm afraid if I if I change the way I position myself, they're not going to like me, and then if they don't like me, they're not going to buy from me. And Mm -hmm. so I think ultimately it's an, I get down to the, to the mind and the heart with all my customers to find out what's, what's really, what are they afraid of and what's holding them back from being somebody who is more consultative and more of a professional. Doesn't mean you can't be nice and things like that. Be awesome. But, but also know your value. I think that's the biggest thing is what's holding people back is them not being certain that they have a lot of value. And they bring a lot of value as a human and then bring a lot of value in their family. Their time with their family is a lot of value. Their time spent anywhere and wherever they put their time is valuable. And so if a customer is asking them for help, they know that if they're going to invest you know, four to six hours on a bid or whatever the, you know, the deal is and they know the value of that and the opportunity costs of missing out on other types of opportunities that are a better fit, they start to realize that, whoa... I'm a ten million dollar year producer or I'm a five million dollar year producer is this somebody that's worth my time, not that they're not valuable, not that they're not important, but from a pure economic standpoint is this is this important for me to do? So how do I do that? Well, I need to find that out I need to inspect a little bit. Let me ask some good questions. So when you start to be more skeptical in a healthy way and not needing everybody to like you and you just want to do the right thing by adding value and being successful and uh you know just go kick some butt and take names you know then you're you're less concerned about being everybody's best bud and more concerned about just doing the right thing and adding the most value to the people that you can add value to which gives you the confidence to ask more questions and be a little bit more consultative and ultimately they're happier you're happier it's a win win win
2: i definitely hear you on this one so the steel company that i used to run we actually had um a picture of 3 500 dollar bills Uh, up on the wall in the estimating department, we still call it an estimating department. We had the three $500 bills on fire. Um, And it says every bid, we're burning 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you you look at all the expense that goes into getting that bid, ran the amount you're paying your estimators, blah, blah, blah. We basically said, hey, look, we're bidding about 8 million. At the time we were bidding about 8 million a month. And it was about a 10% close ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's a lot of stuff. So I'm here you because we started going and figuring out, hey, these GCs, we close better. Or these GCs pay better. Our superintendents like them. Our gross profits better. Whatever Mm -hmm. those scenarios were. And I'd I'd love to dig in in just a minute to what you feel like the, the best criteria are to start building and screening your GCs. But I know in our experiences, we began screening. we did have some of those tough conversations, and we had them with the owners. I remember one particular one that we met with. We considered them like the G.C. in town. Like if you had them, they, every job was going to go smooth, blah blah. Well, we thought we were winning a lot more with them. When we really looked at it, we were only winning about five percent of what we sent them. That's a <laughs> lot of bids. We went and had that straight-up conversation with the owner of the um, GC here in town. And he thought it we were higher than that. He was embarrassed by that and began directing a little bit like, Hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, and we said, look, we know we don't, we need to win everything. We're not trying to be the only steel guy uh, that you have, but man, we want to be like one of three uh, and we want right. to know we have a shot. Um, and then, so when you have that emergency, you know, that we're, we're going to take care of you, like it's.
0: We have it's just, capacity for it too, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and we're we're going to value you, but you need to value us. And mm. We had that conversation, and we definitely saw GCs go. Some didn't take it, some did, and that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. So when one of our listeners are sitting down and they say, "Okay, I got this GC list, and I want to start going through it, and figuring out who am I going to go have these conversations with? What are maybe some of the top numbers?" That you feel like they should be looking at to filter to the top. What are the what are the things that you see?
0: Yeah, total volume is one, right? Like so, sorted by total volume, sorted by gross margin on the jobs you've earned. So like, just do the math, right? Like, are we losing money on these jobs? Are we making a great money? So look at the gross margin. I would also rank the quality of the relationship, like A through F, right? Do we feel like we have? Just an awesome, like he's my homie. Like this is my bro. We have bar we barbecue, we we share all this in common. Like I can have any conversation with them or her and we're gonna be fine. Or is it like, hey, it's it's combative, right? What's our relationship like? So that's gonna dictate the the quality. And then set then fourthly, I think it's really important is to is to ask yourself, is this a client that matches our core values? And are they are they reaching the type of like, are they in line with us too? Like, are they growth minded? Are they going after the types of clients that pay them great money? And uh, you know, are they, (laughs) are they professional? Are they growing? Because you're kind of riding a horse, so to speak, right? Like you're, you're following, you're riding a, what horse are you going to ride on? Right. Are you going to ride on this crusty, you know, old school, never thinking out of the box, never going to change kind of person? That might not make it through the next recession, or at least they're going to dry up quite a bit because they don't know how to sell themselves or market. So I would just ask himself, ask yourself, like, is this a, is this a winner? Is this somebody that I know that is growth growth minded? They're going somewhere, and so when you look at that, you're like, okay, we make good money. They've given us some work. We got a good relationship, and they're going places. That's those are criteria that say, okay, these are our first. This is the ones that we want to go deeper with. And uh, have some, you know, upfront conversations. And some you're like, you look at the list, you're like, I'm ready to fire them now before I even talk to them. I'm like, wait, 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 why don't you go talk to them first? <laughs> at least see where this goes. So I think that'll bring some clarity and give everybody some confidence in what to do.
2: I Love that. Um, probably one of the most
0: interestingly challenging
2: conversations that I had through that is uh, you talked about core values. Do they fit your company? We had this. GC was very combative and it was a real small GC, but he, he, we were actually their only steel guy. So he mm. did send us everything. And when I had to tell him that the $800,000 in contracts he was sending our way, we weren't going to accept and we weren't going to do, he was more than floored. We'll put it that way. Um, and we were scared to death. I'll be honest. It was a decision we made, you know, through great coaching and getting that support. And it was a decision we made that sounded scary at the time because that's a, that's a lot of revenue for uh, any uh, small subcontractor, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, what that did is that actually freed up our time, freed up our focus. And we went in, in that same amount of time that we could do the 800000 for him at like a 20% gross margin, we could go do $1.2 at a 30% gross margin. Now, which one do you want? you know so we had to convert more of our you know more other something else and so once we felt confident that we did make that call so but i'd love to ask that and dig in a little bit here we have we have our listener they've listened they've they've scored through this list they've kind of thought through this stuff and now they're ready to go have the conversation they have the tough part but i want to focus i know you have some really masterful stuff and i'd love for you to teach us some wisdoms here about what should they do in the sales process to build these relationships like what are they going to go do out there to start building and, and getting a value so they can have those stuff $800,000 conversations
0: yeah so uh, you know being a, a sales coach like i'm going to always want like a ton of context going into every meeting to make sure it's really applying well but um do we want to talk about like a brand new prospective client gc or like somebody we worked with you mean like somebody uh like that that yeah. The existing relationship that you're going to let's address. Do
2: their, let's do that. Um, let's not do an A because that's you, you know, that's that person that you're super comfortable with. You probably could have the mm-hmm. conversation. Although we would, you would probably recommend that they go do the A's first,
0: right? Absolutely. They want to secure that, right? Double down, make sure they're, because then that'll give them the confidence to have the, those more challenging conversations with the B and C, right? Cause they have that abundant pipeline g- being generated and the momentum so I would say, let's talk about a BC, right? So like we've had those... Or B plus.
2: Just do a B plus. That's so a little bit easier.
0: Cool. So B plus, there's a couple of things that we want out of this, right? We want higher margins. We want them to pay a little bit more. We want us to raise our margins and then buy, right? Uh-huh. So if let's pretend that's our objective, which should be for all of us until we we hit that number that we feel is the right number. I would first off just just see how that relationship is. Like, hey ryan jeremy thanks for inviting me in uh it's something we haven't done with you guys before but i just want to connect and just stay let's do it let's define the relationship kind of kind of chat you may have had these in the past but it's important for us to have this you know speed up to uh where we're going here you so say how how do you feel like the experience has been for us like do you feel like we do how do you feel like we're ranking with your subs like are we creating a great experience so hopefully they're like it's great, it's great, but you don't want to ask them something if they have already have a bone to pick with you. So make sure that every bone has been picked, right? You've already addressed it. It's like you don't ask your wife to, you know, have a guy's night and she's over here like grilling you, and that's going to be a problem. So you want to make sure that hey, that last job, make sure that we, we're doing great on this or that. They want to make sure everything's feeling good. But then I want to say, let's pretend it is. We say, hey, we noticed we don't, we're not. You know, winning the work, you keep asking us to sharpen our pencil on, you know, after we leave with our, with the price that we want. And I just want to like ask about that. Like when you, we don't do that and you go with somebody else, like how's that going? And really what I want to do is, is get them to share the experience of people that they're working with that they're probably paying that lower price with. Right. And they're hopefully, and most nine times out of 10, you'll get this, they're going to share some kind of bad experience, some kind of horror story that creates some frustration that's run up the flagpole or that they themselves have experienced. And what you don't want to do is sit there and throw rocks at the enemy in a way and saying, yeah, they, 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 you know, they're terrible, but you want to just empathize and learn what's causing them frustration in that moment. Because when you do that, and they're basically frustrated with the other steel guy or the other concrete guy or the other plumber, and they're sharing that with you, First off, that's huge because they feel safe enough with you to do that because they care and you've asked them and they want to invest. Secondly, though, when you have some what I call creating polarity, you're, creating, you're polarizing something, right? So you're polarizing something that they're frustrated with and automatically by you being the recipient of that knowledge, you're able to position yourself to be more of value and not do that or make sure you're double down on, doubling down on the thing in which they're, they're appreciating. That being said, you're having these really difficult conversations you're finding out what they want their experience to really be like, and then you're you're putting a cost to that other way right to that other way as relates to hey, so reality is you're paying less money, but you're getting unexpected change orders you're getting your project managers having to spend more time overseeing you know these subs because they're not providing that um I know where we have right, and you want ideally you want that scenario to be really solid for you where you're getting the experience it's on time on budget great communication but here's the reality guys we're struggling to feel the you know the feel the the, the excitement and the purpose to continue with the margins we've been getting and uh we want to we want to increase that we, we would feel like if we can hold the margins that we want um we can fulfill the experience that you're hoping for that you don't want to continue to experience those other horror stories like you share with me so thanks for that that being said we really want to fulfill and create that experience so you gave us a good amount of your work and we're grateful for that but we just want to make sure that you see the value and paying a little bit more to work with us and we just want to see if you guys are open to connect and working with us at a little bit higher margin than we're asking for going forward so that, uh, you're, A, you're getting a better experience, you're giving your clients a better experience, the reputation for you and your brand is stronger. And we feel happy to continue to uh, respond to your invites to participate in these projects. So that would be something that obviously would take some coaching <laughs> to uh, get uh, somebody to have the, the the cojones to have that kind of chat. But what you're doing is you're you're asking them at the end of the day, what are they firing? And if they can fire something, It creates enough value for you to get what you want. Hopefully, if you're going to have these chats, it's a little bit more margin is what you want. You want more margin or you want more volume or both. And uh, you want more partnership. And ultimately, how does that impact their customers and their brand if they're working with you and having less headache, less unexpected change orders? Um, They're spending more to do it right the first time. What does that actually mean for them? If we can have that conversation, it could justify the value and um, can get through it. I think that's... um that's some great, uh, you know, mindset
1: shifts and how to have the conversation, how to talk to people, how to make those decisions. There's a lot. There's a lot, really. We could unpack there for probably another hour. But when we think about the companies that are struggling with this right now, these owners, these sales leaders are struggling with this. What's the one thing that you would like to challenge them with? Something they should do this week, an action item that would help them move this ball forward or make some progress when it comes to either the relationships or when it comes to their sales pipeline?
0: I would say don't estimate another job without asking some of these questions. And if they, if you have not met with them in a while face to face, or if you don't meet with them at all and they're not committed to meeting with you, then don't estimate the job. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that if they're not willing to meet, if they're not willing to do some phone time or meet with you if it's been a while, Uh, Then don't estimate it. And then before you estimate it, I would ask some of these questions. Okay, first one is, why do they want help with you? Like, what's going on? What's the problem? what What's the project? Tell me more about it. What are they firing if they're going to hire you? So, what are they frustrated with? Where do they want to be? What do they want the experience to look like on this project? What's the cost of the old way, the way in which they're firing? What's that costing them? How much of unexpected change orders or delays? What's that affecting their bottom line and cutting into their margin? Who all cares about choosing the right, t- the right steel, the right sub, right? Who, who cares? And I like to ask who cares about this? Cause when we're asking these types of questions or talking about a lot of frustration and when you stay in the care space, like, Hey, who cares? You're more in the intellect. But if you say, well, who's the actual decision maker on this job, it kind of jumps to the brain versus the emotion. And, uh, you'll find themselves maybe being a little bit territorial, about Hey, I'm the decision maker, right? And you don't get to the person who actually can. Can write off on the contract. A couple other questions is what are they committed? What's their commitment level to doing it the right way this time? So you want them committed to doing it the right way up front. And what's their timeline to having the job done? Because if it's something that's two years out, you know you don't need to stop your whole world to put together a, a hard bid or hard price. So I would say uh, don't estimate without asking a series of questions like that. And if they're not willing to chat with you about it, um, then then I would I would focus on people who are who are willing to go be more relational with you because the resistance level is way lower when you're able to have a meeting and when the resistance level is lower you're able to get to their compelling reason to buy and really create some value and i know it's uncomfortable at first they might have the defense walls up at first but then they're like dude i appreciate these guys and they do they do a quality job and they are gonna back it up and they're doing it the right way and i want to pay a little bit more for that because i know the nightmares that I'm having when I'm trying to just pick up any old sub who's not a professional and how that affects my client experience and how that they don't want to hire me for the next, their next remodel, the next development job, their next new construction job, because you know, my sub was a, was a disaster. That last guy that I hired, right? So sure. I think that, I think that it's something that, you know, we can have that, that those would be some good rules to work off of, you know, um, for you. No, I think that's great. So. Uh, you know, a lot of the work
1: that I do is about helping people find good craft workers for their company uh, to get the work done. And, and one of the big focuses for us is finding someone who aligns with their values, wants to build that relationship, wants to go through the good times and the bad times with you. And, um, and that's really what I heard you say there is look for someone who's in it for the long haul and not just in it for that one job. So mm-hmm. I know you, you make this stuff sound really, really simple, <laughs> almost common sense. But like you said, It's not always commonly practiced. And I'm sure there's some people going, you know what? I've done this. I thought about that and and it didn't work and I got stuck. So if someone gets stuck and, but they really want what you're talking about and really having that growth-minded sales leader taking their business to the next level, how do they get a hold of you to get some more information, to learn how they can help you or how you can help them? Uh, What's the easiest way to do that?
0: So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can connect with me there. Uh, Ryan Groth, I use Facebook for business. But then on the weekends, I'll do an, a Facebook story and Instagram story about us at the beach or something. So um, good with that. Our website, if you just go to salestransformationgroup.com, you can go to uh, get a price or you know take a look at that that page. We have a bunch of case studies. We have a schematic of our sales process. We have an action flow plan we have a a playbook it's called actually it's called a um it's an ebook called the development full-scale development ebook for growth-minded contractors so that's about 13 pages so a ton of resources there a lot of case studies and if you're like hey this is good i need like i need the system to help me with this i want your coaching uh you could just book a meeting right there with myself or one of my team members and you'll fill out a little questionnaire that's hearing about your current, for us to hear about your current situation, which really helps us on the call. And then from there, uh, you'll, you'll hear about our offer, how it works, how our, our program works and everything. And you guys, uh, that, that person at that point can make a decision. if They want to be a part of what we're doing or not and get some significant results for their business.
1: Now, I love that. Tons of resources, lots of options. Uh,
0: and you have a special offer for our listeners today. Is that correct? I do. If you've listened to this whole podcast, good for you. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> um, and so here's the deal. Like if you guys buy what we have to offer, you're, you're going to see incredible ROI as soon as you put it into action. So it's a short-term and long-term upside is very significant for any company. I mean, going from 15 to 20 million in 18 months, uh, what you'll be offered from us is a, is a very small fraction of that. But regardless, uh, we'll we'll be giving you guys 10% off of our retail price of the offer that we present to you. So we have three different packages and uh, depending on the the level of support, maybe uh, where you are in your journey as a company and an owner, but uh, yeah, we'll give you 10% off, but you got to bring it up at the end. Say a hey, blue collar culture podcast <laughs> you said you'd do 10%. You got to, you got to say that in the, in the form you fill out and you got to, you got to make sure you hold us to it. Cause I could promise you if you meet with one of my sales guys, he's not thinking discount. He's thinking. (laughs) um,
1: (laughs) And I love that though, you put the onus back on them, just like reaching out and figuring out who the right relationships are. Um, that's great. And thank you for, for making that offer. And for anybody that's struggling with sales right now, I mean, this is, this is an amazing opportunity to get someone who's coaching other people in the industry how to get through this and how to get these phenomenal results. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Some great insight and in how to grow, build a, the sales arm of the business. Thanks again.
0: Hey, Ryan, and Jeremy, it's great to be on. i talked for a long time with you guys. I'm sure you guys are great. Great being on the podcast.
1: The Blue Collar
0: Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.